Welcome. Shut my eye out! Please go to 11. Greetings, Starfighter. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And for our third Oscars Month show, we're talking about 101 Dalmatians versus Cruella. And it's funny because 101 is the number of times that Joel has called it 101 damnations and zero is the number of times we've found it funny. (laughs) And it's going to happen again. Title of Patrick sex tape. Oh, I hope (laughs) I've lost hope at this point. (laughs) Truly? (laughs) You know, Joel, that was a stealth. Uh, I should not have taken a drink while you were saying that because I didn't process what you said with the sex tape joke. Man, Joel Ninja at the knees there. Yeah, good one. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so, uh, well, first off, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can give us a call at 708 Now Wrapped. That's 708 669 9727. You can also join the conversation on our Discord by clicking the Join Us link in the show notes. And definitely uh, subscribe to us on any one of your. Happy podcast apps. I haven't gotten to mention the Rad Dad Radio Hour in like two months. There, I just got it out of the way. Yeah. But at the same time, the Rad Dad Radio Hour has been extinct for like three and a half years. I know. It's not about them. It's about me. (laughs) (laughs) The Left Field Sports Lounge. Right? Wow. Now everything feels kind of like all right now. Pat did it first, legitimately, mm. like just now, like before that. Yeah, yeah it was oh. all right. Yeah. You stole my joke again. That's cool. Exactly. Whatever. I had to because you had already done it. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the women we dated. Oh, my God. Damn. Back. Damn. <laughs> He's just been writing this shit for the last hour. He's got a little notepad. <laughs> Ooh, man, pre-show touched a nerve. <laughs> All right, so question of the week, since we don't have any voicemails. Yeah. Uh, question of the week is, what did you study in college, and did you ever use it? All right, well, I'm currently studying in college, so I'll kick us off. Uh, I had a lot of different majors in a lot of different colleges. Technically, when we all met, I was a secondary education major, and I did use it uh, until very recently. I, uh, in the job show, I talked about how uh, I work in special ed classrooms uh, off and on for over the last 10, 15 years, uh, and I'm currently in the economics program at Penn State, and I hope to use it once I uh, finish up. Very cool. And in order not to end us on a down note, I'll go ahead and go now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, I studied, well, I was, uh, all through high school, I was going to go, uh, most likely to Texas A&M study animal husbandry. I wanted to either be a veterinarian or a zoologist or something, or some kind of like trauma surgeon. I wanted to go into medicine in some, some fashion. And then at the last minute, uh, I, even after I'd been already been accepted uh, to Texas A&M, I went ahead and put in my application. I felt the, the quote unquote, the calling as we call it in religious circles and decided I wanted to go be a DCE, which is a Director of Christian Education. That's a title in the Lutheran Church. So I had to go to one of the Concordias to do that and uh, got a scholarship to the Concordia. 
um, up in, in Chicago. So spent one year in Austin and then went up to Chicago after that. And that's how I met you guys, but didn't end up graduating, uh, have had 217 credits when I, uh, was asked to, uh, please don't come on the premises anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Who the hell was calling you? Because you were on path. (laughs) The short version was, yeah, they, they asked me to to step off campus and don't come back. And I said, okay, <laughs> I'll be gone in a week. Man. They said, they said sooner, please. And I said, I'll be gone by the end of this week. <laughs> so wow. who else? Well, yeah. Take it, Joel. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I originally started at Concordia with the full intention of being secondary education, art, and English, uh, because I had my favorite teachers in high school were my art and English educators, and I liked, enjoyed high school for the most part. So I'm like, I'm going to pursue that. I would be a good teacher. Everybody says so. I come from a long line of teachers and preachers, and I'm not going to be a preacher because I I thought I had that call briefly, and then I hung up the phone, um, and I went ahead and went the other way. Did a little bit of student teaching, Realized I didn't like it, uh, was getting into the radio and uh, program as well as into film more, went to Columbia uh, to get into the radio program. During orientation, I went to the film um, orientation seminar and decided I would rather do that instead of radio. So I switched gears at the last last minute, uh, went down that path for a couple years, made some progress, uh, then decided that that wasn't for me. and. <clears throat> Eventually went back and got my, uh, I guess you'd call it a degree as a uh, uh, medical assistant. Was in that for a while. Uh, got really burned out quickly because of the, the field I was in in dialysis. Um, and now I have a job that actually my anniversary is today. It's been almost a decade that I've been at this same job. Uh, and I'm happy. So. No, I did not ever use the degree I got. I mean, I did briefly, but yeah. So, yeah. So Pat and I met because we were both in the DCE program. I was supposed to be that also. Uh, went on my internship. That went south. Came back, went to my went to my counselor. It was like, what do I need to get out of here? And he's like, you take this class and this class and you're done. So now I have a bachelor's in theology, which... I am doing absolutely nothing. Well, not absolutely nothing, which I teach Sunday school once in a while, but uh, which is awesome because I love to tell like real explicit, like, you know what this means? You know, and and you buy coffee makers and I buy coffee makers. Yeah, that's the other thing I do. (laughs) But I have not not I haven't done anything with my degree, but but I will say it has gotten me a couple jobs because people have been like, oh, wow, theology, man, you must have had a lot of you know, Greek and Hebrew and all the, I mean, did you study all those ancient languages? And I'm like, mm, some, sure. yeah, let's sure. go with that. Pax Vavite. All right. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, you know, it's gotten attention to my resume a couple times cause it's not a, the- it's not a degree you see once in a while, but, uh, yeah, I'm now I'm working in human resources. So we all took uh, very strange paths from where I thought we'd end up when we first met. I know right? you gave up on radio and wound up podcasting. Well, 
I'm mostly just amazed none of us like like got rich, like millionaire rich. Career path is what I meant, but I, just, I, I thought somebody was. I thought one of us was going to be like ultra successful. Like something was going to happen. <laughs> there, know, is, though, there is. A, he's not on this podcast. No, but I'm just saying, <laughs> even even in our like you know extended like group of like twenty friends, you know, there's not nobody has like. You know, we were hoping one of us would be the the Elon Musk of our times. Yeah, I know. We're, the, we're not. We're not dumb. All of us, you know. At the time, admittedly, me being just as guilty as anybody else, if not more so. There wasn't a lot of follow through with things like we had, and we've said this before to each other outside of the show, we, we had a lot of great ideas, but we just never followed through on them. This is the podcast is the first time we've really had an idea that we followed through on other than, uh, well, instant game show as being another one. Uh, because you know, like, like your idea for the, the room where you destroy shit. I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> Well, but it was a great idea. And it is. Yeah. And people that are running those rooms now are making bank. Exactly. Oh, it's just, just another example of something that we had a great idea that we just, at that point in our lives, we weren't following through. In 1995, that was, was not a thing. Yeah. Mm. Now, things are a little different. I, I, you know, I'm trying to put some something out there. And I've been trying to, you know, podcasting is one of those things I've been doing since 2006. And I'm just... It's my way of of still being in radio and creative and putting something out there. Um, not going to make any money at it, but here we are. I know, right? So, and I'm happy. I'm happy I get to hang out with you guys every week, even though you fucking shit on me left and right. But still, <laughs> I don't know, dude. You're you're carrying your weight pretty good this tonight. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, somehow I don't have a lot to carry. I say somehow you've uh, focused all your energies on Patrick, which I'm totally cool with, really. <laughs> In the meantime, it's about that time. This week in music, movies, and TV. And sports. <laughs> sports. So what's for dinner? <laughs> All right. So this we're going with January 25th, 1961, the release of the original 101 Dalmatians. All right. So the number one song in the land was Are You Lonesome Tonight by Elvis Presley. Great song. Which he probably was not. <laughs> Although Bohemian Rhapsody has taught me anything, fame does not mean that you are always surrounded by lots of people. You, you can be that, lonely. That's what it taught you? You can be lonely. Well, yeah. Freddie Mercury was a lonely dude. Hey, no one me should have taught <laughs> you that. <laughs> You're not famous, though. Yeah, but I'm surrounded by people all the time. Still oh. lonely. That's that sad. Was, that was the, yeah. That Damn was it. just, yeah. It was supposed to be funnier, but you made it, you <clears throat> made me, I could explain it, which made it sad. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> made it sad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the universe made it sad. <laughs> Uh, and for the, the beginning of this next segment, uh, bullet point, whatever you want to call it, is the acronym of the week, which is IFTP. Oh, I'm pretty sure that's the Patsy Klein classic. I fucked Tito Puente. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know that I really want to know what the actual song is, Patrick. I kind of want to oh leave it at God. that. 
I just love a good Tito Puente reference. I, so I I knew that would play well with this group. <laughs> I kind of want to leave it at that. I really do. Uh, no, that is that is that. Is, no, Josh, that's not what it is. <laughs> Uh, uh, that is, I fall to pieces. Oh, Patsy uh, Klein for Tito. Uh, Tito must have. Tito must have left her. Ah, <laughs> uh. yeah, it's it's IFTP IFTP. I fuck Tito Puente, then I fall to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> so, I fall to pieces by Patsy Klein was released January 29th. It was the 1961 Billboard Song of the Year. Now, I really want to know if they knew each other. Patsy Klein have children? No. No. Tito Point. I'm looking it up just for fun. Yeah. It's great, great podcasting. Yeah. Sound of a guy typing. Tune in and listen to us Google things. Uh, It doesn't say anything about them on any of the searches that popped up. So I'm going to say they didn't know each other, but yeah. Let's let's just roll with that. Moving on. Daniel Dale Johnson, born January 22nd, was an American singer-songwriter and artist regarded as a significant figure in outsider and alternative music scenes. Most of his work consisted of cassettes recorded alone in his home, and his music was frequently cited as its pure and childlike qualities. For its pure and childlike qualities, Johnson spent extended periods in psychiatric institutions as when di- and was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And if you ever want to see a great documentary, check out The Devil and Dan- Daniel Johnston. Uh, all about Daniel Johnson and his life. Hmm. That's just me adding a little editor's was, note. Did he was he born or died today? He was born. It said that in the first. Sentence. Yeah. Oh, born okay. January twenty second. There you go. There you go. Interesting dude. Anyway, and finally, Jillian Leslie Gilbert, born January twenty seventh, is an English musician and singer, best known as the keyboardist and guitarist of the band New Order. Jillian Gilbert could be Gillian. I don't know. I'm not sure. Is it a is it a man or a woman? No, a woman. woman. Oh, I didn't know New Order had any women in it. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land was 101 oh. Dalmatians. Yes. I don't think. Well, I mean, we'll have plenty to say about that later. But not I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Uh, also, The Misfits premiered on January 28th in New York City. It was the final film for both Clark Gable and Marilyn Monroe. Why are you laughing? I just laughing because the first time I read that, and I, I know the movie The Misfits, but first thing I read that, I thought of Clark Gable dressed up with like the slick back hair and the ghoul face. And oh, uh, I, had, I had a feeling that's exactly where he when he started laughing. I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Also, as Danzig, (laughs) Nastasia Aglaia Kinski was born on January 24th. She is a German actress and former model who has appeared in more than 60 films, including Stay As You Are, Tess, Cat People, Paris, Texas, Far Away So Close, and An American Rhapsody. She is the daughter of German actor Klaus Kinski, and she is, yeah. She is, yeah. She was going to try. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she is. If you've seen Cat People, you know she is. <laughs> well, Klaus Kinski is a creepy motherfucker. Oh yeah, the playing chess. That's oh, a great movie. All right, not too far off from last week, 
Top shows in the land were Wagon Train, Bonanza, Gunsmoke, and Hazel. <laughs> we're back to Hazel again. Fucking Hazel. <laughs> Man, Hazel stuck around. All right, so from the auditorium of the State Department, President John Kennedy's press conference was carried live on both radio and television on January 25th. Although President Eisenhower held the first televised press conference on January 19th. You can see that in last week's twee. In 1955, President John F. Kennedy was also the first to address the American people live without delay or editing. Is this fucker on? Live uh, from the State Department. I can't it's say It's Kennedy that. night. Ciao, <laughs> da. Thank you all for coming tonight. We've got a wonderful show. Going to have Klaus Kinski come out here and show us some chess. <laughs> You're like John F. Kennedy doing Groucho. I know, right? Isn't that yeah, great? What's, what's happening? All right. So also we sing along with Mitch. Premier January 27th. What is sing along with Mitch? Mitch, Mitch Miller. Miller. Yep. Miller oh. Celebrities celebrities would come along and they would just they would literally just sing songs and the lyrics would be at the bottom. And you're expected to at home just sing along with Mitch. Yep. Man, talk about a simpler time. And that was a big thing. Like families would get around their television set. If you ever if you want to see a in a in the movie Catch Me If You Can, the Steven Spielberg movie, there's a scene where uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is with his girlfriend and their her parents. And they're watching Mitch Miller and they're singing along with Mitch. We used to be more into the watch the reruns of the uh, Tiny Bubbles. Oh, that guy. Uh, Tiny Tim? No, no. Not Tim. Uh, 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 Tiptoe oh, oh. Through the Tulips is what yeah, 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 yeah. Tiny uh, Bubbles. Don Ho? Don Ho, yeah. yeah. Yes. I actually think we've had the argument about whether or not uh, he, uh, Tiny Tim sung Tiny Bubbles multiple times on this podcast and we realized that he did although he's not the one who's most famous for it so he's he's half right is what you're saying yeah I'm technically I, correct which is the best kind of correct yes gotcha i'm not going to argue that because i think I, I i think i agree with him on that on josh i mean yeah i vaguely remember that yeah i think you're right that that's ringing a, a little familiarity bell for ding me. ding ding bitch ding a ding ding <laughs> <laughs> ring a ding yeah it's your familiarity bell ding 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 bitch what is happening I just ding, like, ding ding bitch I just like I don't know it's the thing tonight now there you go familiarity bell is for some reason voiced by Dave Chappelle <laughs> ding 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 bitch I don't know. This is derailed. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I'm done. It's sports, I'm, man. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna call time on myself and just. I'm move passing the potato to you. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky, NHL <laughs> Hall of Fame center. You're gonna stop there. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky. That's, that's sports. The of, that's the end of sports. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky, NHL Hall of Fame center, Stanley Cup winner in 1984, 85, 87, and 88. Hart Memorial Trophy, 1980 through 87 and 89, which is the MVP. The 10-time scoring leader was born in Bradford, Ontario on January 24th of this week. So happy birthday to him. Happy birthday. I mean, as we've discussed several times, everybody knows who Wayne Gretzky is. Uh, Soccer player, right? Yes, that's it. Okay. Moving on, on January 31st, West Indian cricket batsman Rohan <gasps> Kani scored back-to-back centuries in the drawn fourth test against Australia in Adelaide. 
He followed his first innings, 117, with 115 in the second knock. Second knock? Mm-hmm. I think that means like the second of a doubleheader is what I'm guessing. Maybe? Uh, that's my guess. All right, well, let's just roll with that. Yeah. And lastly, at the Australian Men's hmm. Tennis Championships on January 27th, Roy Emerson beat fellow Australian Rod Laver for his first Grand Slam title. At the Women's Tennis Championship in a repeat match of the previous year, Margaret Court retained her title, beating Jan Lahane O'Neill. And that is going to do it for the tweet. Play us off, keyboard, Joel. No, 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 no. All right, so 101 Dalmatians came out. 1961 was, if it wasn't for the guns of Navarone, would have been the highest grossing movie of the year. Damn you, Navarone. Which, in all rights, The Guns of Navarone is a pretty awesome movie. So, at least it didn't get beat out you know, by something lame. Well, this movie's only like an hour and 20 minutes, so it's not even, you know, feature length. Yeah, that's right. It was really short, wasn't it? Yep. So, moving on. This is directed by Clyde Geronimi. Geronimi. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird looking name. He also directed Peter Pan, Alice in Wonderland, Cinderella, and Sleeping Beauty. So he's uh, all the way up until 1985 was still directing stuff. The last thing that he did uh, was of super note was the uh, Spider-Man 1967 series. Oh, that's yep. that's the one everybody loves these days. Oh, yeah, that's that's the meme one. Yep. That's it. Hamilton Lusky is also part of this as the directing team. He was on uh, the animation department for Mary Poppins and uh, directed Pinocchio along with Cinderella and Peter Pan as a team. Last big thing on his was the magical world of Disney from uh, 1957. He did a bunch of shows on that one and directing those. So it was like that, that Sunday night, uh, show that always would come on the magic world and they would have like a thing about the there's that bear again that sort of thing where they showed like a nature show or something like right. that right yep I remember yep and there's a lot of awesome names in this lineup too Wolfgang Ratherman was also part of the team and uh, he was also director on The Aristocats, Jungle Book, uh, Animation for Sleeping Beauty, and also director on A Sword in the Stone. Hmm. There's some, okay. there some chops behind this one. Bill Peet was the writer on this one and took the story from a book by Dodie Smith, uh, based on the book 101 Dalmatians, was, which was actually posted as a short story in the newspaper as the great dog caper or something like that so it's a different time man you had reader's digest and things like that so right right yeah uh so he has been known for this cinderella he was a writer on that he was a writer on sleeping beauty sword in the stone dumbo and uh in okay he's died in 2002 but there's something where he's listed on as a credit for 2015 called Peter Pan Triple X and Axel Braun parody. 
Oh, God. Axel Braun is like the master of porn parodies. He's okay, doing. so there you go. So somebody put his Bill Peets credits, because he probably wrote Peter. He was a writer for Peter Pan. They put his name in the credits for that. So I'm sure posthumously, he's grateful for that. He He's like the Stan Lee of of porn parodies. Like if you go to Wood Rocket or some of the other places, like he's just like, it's nothing but his shit. <clears throat> okay. So. Sorry. No, no, no. That's the details that our listeners need to know. trivia. There you go. Yeah. And so Patrick back me up. Yeah. Oh, no, I already did. I no, I'm saying and Patrick backed me up on that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. So Pongo, the voice of Pongo was done by Rod Taylor. Yeah, speaking he... of porn. <laughs> no. Uh, who was who played H.G. Uh, Wells in the 1960s Time Machine was Mitch Brenner in Alfred Hitchcock's Bird in 1963. And played Winston Churchill in *Inglorious Bastards* in two thousand and nine, oh. which was his last uh, show, last performance before he died in twenty fifteen. Oh, Uh-oh. absorbed. Yeah. Well, no, the guy had a great resume. I mean, a lot of good stuff in there. So, Rod Taylor, he did the voice of the Colonel Jasper and the mechanic. Uh, he was also in. Oh, that was J. Pat O'Malley. Oh. You said Rod Taylor again. Yeah, I'm sorry. I said Rod Taylor. I was like, are there two Rod uh, Taylors? Just uh, really likes Rod Taylor. Rod Taylor did all the voices in this movie. No, uh, he, Rod Taylor, I'm sorry. God bless it. Rod Taylor is just <laughs> on my mind. Pat O'Malley. Uh, he did the voice of Cyril Proudbottom for the adventures of I- Ichabod and Mr. Toad. He was the voice of the walrus and the carpenter in Alice in Wonderland. And he also was Colonel Hothi in The Elephant from Jungle Book. Which you can totally hear when you hear the colonel talk with it. <laughs> yes. Like I, now that you mention it, I, yes. Mm-hmm. I wondered why that sounded familiar. Yeah. There's yeah, a lot of times. You know. Yeah. A lot of times it crosses over. Um, so Betty Lou Gerson, who uh, was also the narrator for Cinderella, was in Mary Poppins as the uncredited old crone, who I think is the feed the birds lady. And I think you're right. Little yep. known fact about her, um, there's a gun in her handbag. Dude. God <laughs> damn it. Oh, man, that took a second. I still don't remember, but. Yeah, oh, it's okay. Just just keep, keep it, yeah, enjoy that. Uh, she was also, now, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, the TV show Checkmate. Yes, I forget who who was in uh, Doug McClure. I forget there was Troy a, McClure. Troy, yes, you may know me from. <laughs> but uh, she did voices. She was also, if you look at a picture of her that I will have to put in the notes, um, she was actually the face model for Cruella Deville. Oh, yeah, she has a very she did Cruella Deville and Miss Birdwell in this. She has very high cheekbones. If you look at a picture of her in there, face for radio, huh? I was gonna say she probably had very sharp features. I'm assuming. Yeah, she's real. I mean, you you look at her and you're like 100. percent That's where that came from. We also have Martha Wentworth who did the voice of Nanny Queenie and Lucy. She was also in uh, the voice of the sort of God bless it. <laughs> have another Red Bull, Mike. Can help you stay awake. <laughs> She did the voice of Mad Madam Mim from The Sword is your in the leg Stone. Shaking? No, my leg is not shaking. I have not started going blind. I am not at that point with uh, caffeine just yet. 
But yes, Mar- Marta Wentworth did the voice of Nanny and was also Mad Madam Mim. And you can, again, kind of hear that. Ben Wright did the voice of Roger Radcliffe in this oh, one. And I thought that was Rod Taylor. Rod Taylor. Rod Taylor there w- was in here twice already, so it's possible. Leave Rod Taylor alone. <laughs> ben Wright. Uh, he did the voice of Grimsby from The Little Mermaid back in 1989. Grimsby was like the footman for the prince. Oh. He also uh, was Herr Zeller in The Sound of Music, and Grimsby was actually his last uh, role. And he also, I really, if this is a TV show that I really wish they would remake. Tales of the Gold Monkey. He played the singing Frenchman in one episode. <laughs> yes. So the voice of Perdita was actually done by both Kate Bauer and Lisa Daniels. Lisa Daniels would go on to do uh, stuff for Shirley Temple Storybook and The Glass Slipper. And uh, Kate Bauer did this and something called The Third Man back in 1959. Um Oh, yeah. Kate Bauer. Yeah, Third Man is like classic noir. Yeah. yeah. Kate Bauer. Was it Kate Bauer? Yeah, Kate Bauer was when she got pregnant and stopped about a third of the way through. So the voice of Perdita actually changes partway through the... Oh, God. I thought you meant she stopped a third of the way through the pregnancy. No, no, no. Stop with the movie. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> it's like, that's a weird fact to bring up. Yeah. So dedicated to the movie, she's like, this is done. <laughs> It's disturbing all around. Uh, I'm a quitter. <laughs> good God. Fred David Frankham did the story, the voice of Sergeant Tibbs the Cat. Another one of the amazing names on this list, Frederick Warlock, was mm. the voice of Horace and Inspector Graves. And uh, Frederick Warlock also did, uh, he was in Spartacus. He was in Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and Terror by Night. Lisa Davis did the voice of Anita Dearly. And uh, she was known post this for Queen of Outer Space, the Dalton Girls and Babyface Nelson. Mimi Gibson did the voice of Lucky. Uh, and why do they call him Lucky? Uh, he had a horseshoe pattern on him. He did. He had the horseshoe pattern on his rear end. So that and... I put this in because the voice of the captain was done. The big horse was done by none other than Thurl Ravenscroft. He is swiftly becoming another one of our mascot kind of guys. He really is. Good old Thurl. And that, I mean, there's some great Thurl Ravenscroft, Frederick Warlock and Rod, Rod Taylor together in the what and Betty Lou's handbag. No, it's <laughs> Together in 101 Dalmatians. I mean, it was... oh, I mean, well, yeah, it kind of writes itself, oh, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so it's trivia. The birth of the puppies actually happened to the author Dodie Smith. Her Dalmatians had 15 puppies. One was born lifeless, and her husband revived it. However, they sold most of them and only kept a few because they were rational human beings. <laughs> like, there's too many puppies. Yeah. Disney was actually in debt following the flop of Sleeping Beauty from 1959 and desperately needed a hit. They were actually talking about closing down the animation division as the company was refocusing on live action, television, and theme parks. So think about that. If this 101 Dalmatians pretty much saved Disney's animation department. Well, they were building up to the black hole, so. Well, yeah. 
Also, Cruella DeVille was di- designed as a manic takeoff of the flamboyant actress Tallulah Bankhead, which is another uh, amazing name. I can see that. As well as some of her personality quirks. I never even thought about that, but that makes sense now. Mm. Oh. You know her from Lifeboat. Huh. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, just her, her like the way she did this, this kind of like slink Oops. that she walked with and all that. Well, and even some of her facial like features and the manner of dress kind of. You're kind of sounding like everybody at the end of Cruella when they found out that, you know, the spoiler. You're like, oh, yeah, a lot of things make sense now. You're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's just what you reminded me of right there. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I hope this wasn't a first viewing for any of us. First viewing for me for a very long time. I haven't seen this, you know, in well over a couple of decades. I mean, having kids, I've seen it within the past two decades, but I don't know when the last time probably was. This was when I was on the regular playlist. I probably saw this about once a week in the early thousands. I'm not, Josh. Not even. Uh, I'm probably with Patrick. I probably haven't seen it since I was a little kid. Very cool. I mean, I don't have kids, so. <laughs> yeah, not like you just pop I mean, it on. Your, keep... your your wife has one big kid, but yeah, you don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> she puts it on just to keep him quiet every now and then. <laughs> Josh, sit in the other room and watch 101 Damnations. <laughs> Damn it, he snuck one in. Uh, that's Everybody. what she said. Everybody. <laughs> ah. Title of your no. sex? Wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. So some other cool stuff about this one. Um, this now, if you've noticed in the animation style in this, how it seems kind of rough compared to yeah. like Sleeping, Be- Sleeping Beauty. So Sleeping Beauty and everything previous to this was done by hand inking. So the animators would draw the cells, and the copiers would they put it on. They would draw the pictures, and the copiers put it on the cells and mm-hmm. draw directly onto the cells. Since Disney was going bankrupt. They fell back on part of an animation that they used in Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty with the the Thorn Forest is where they had Jerry rigged a Xerox camera to print directly onto um, animation cells. But because of the technology back then, it was you did not get a crisp line on that. So that's why you have that weird kind of funky jagged line. The lines just aren't straight. And sometimes you actually see sketch marks. Like you'd see it most of the time, like on the, the cars, you'd see scratch, uh, not stretch marks, sketch, <laughs> sketch marks on that sort of thing where it would look like kind of like somebody penciled over stuff. That yeah, was one, because. At one point I noticed it on Cruella's hands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was because they were using this photocopy uh, process for making them, making the cells, which probably was part of the, one of the things that saved it because they managed to create the movie a lot faster and a lot cheaper than they would have if they had to hand draw every single one of those spots. And it almost, you know, in a way looked like a stylized choice. Yeah, it really did. That's kind of how I saw it whenever I, until you said that just now, I thought it was just a stylistic decision that they made for the film. Yeah, it was kind of like let's find a way to get this done quick, get this out, see if it you know see what works, and it 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 did, and it had that great you know view to it. And there is a little bit of uh, rotoscoping in this also. Um, when Cruella drives her car off the side of the bridge and she's trying to get it back up the snowbank, they actually did rotoscoping for the snow. 
I thought it looked a little strange. Yeah, and the rotoscoping, yeah, that it's it's the same thing that they did for um the Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings. When you had okay. the you had the uh the demons uh the Nazgul. Nazgul. Yeah, when the Nazgul riding around, which is just a matter of they take actual human beings and just draw the cells directly on a movie versus drawing it on a drawing. How many people do you think saw this movie growing up as a kid and their particular art style was influenced by the film and it all comes back to it was a cost-saving measure? I'm sure there's plenty. I love that. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, for me, for art art style-wise, 101 Dalmatians is in my top five for Disney movies. It's just a fascinating little little fun side side note, you know, yeah. that they may have influenced an entire next generation of like, like you're saying for yourself, there's something you enjoyed uh, of artists all because, you know, they're trying to save a buck. How can we do this cheap? We're almost bankrupt. Right. <laughs> that's crazy. I yeah. love that. That's, that's good trivia right there. Yeah. I'm looking through the cells as we're talking actually right now. I'm kind of going through some images. And they <laughs> yeah. reused a couple shots too here and there. Like, uh, there, there are several different times they used the same shot of, uh, Roger lighting his pipe, but it was just with a different background. Mm-hmm. And the backgrounds were the same thing. They just, they, uh, photoed, they ran those through the Xerox machine also, just because they figured they couldn't do like hand painted backgrounds. Cause that would look too awkward, you know, the, to keep that kind of rough style. They did that for the backgrounds also. Makes sense to me. You know, upon watching this again and then looking at the runtime, it's an incredibly simplistic story. You know, you've got, like two people that meet, they, you know, get a, an apartment together. The dogs get taken. The other dogs have to go find them, bring them back. And then that's the end. There's nothing really deeper to it. But yet I still find myself as a 47 year old man watching this in the background as I'm working, getting emotional. And I don't know whether it's because, you know, I, 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 I remember like seeing the fox and the hound as a kid in the theater and getting all choked up, whether it's kind of remnants of that childhood kind of nostalgia or whether it's just that it's that effective, even though it's so simple. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of the prototype for the, uh, things that aren't adults, whether it's pets or toys, whatever, go on an adventure and have to save each other without like the help of the adults, like everything from toy story to other movies with pets that are cartoons. This this is kind of where it all started. And to Lord of the Flies. Ooh, no. <laughs> and you can't ask for a better uh, villain than someone who literally wants to kill puppies to wear them. <laughs> yeah, they kind of cashed in all those chips on that one. What would make this person really, really evil? She wants to kill puppies. Whoa, dude. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, they actually, that came from Dodie Smith when, because she won, she had so many, uh, puppies over. She, well, she had so many, puppies, she had somebody over and they were like, wow, that's many dogs, man. Their coats, their fur, they would make great coats. Like somebody just offhand said that to her and she was like, nice. And then she wrote a story about it. <laughs> you are so now you, the worst. Yes. <laughs> Your assholery will go down in history. I mean. I can see myself saying something like that. Like, if I was like, if I had like fifteen Dalmatians laying on top of me, <laughs> like this would be a great coat. 
I don't think it's that what? bad. Was it you, Patrick? You're not, well, you're not talking about making plans to do it. I mean, it's just an yeah. observation. I mean, it's not like he's standing there saying that while sharpening a knife. <laughs> right? As he slits yes. one of the puppy's throats. As, as, ah. I'm taking, as I'm taking off my baby seal coat. I'm like, these would make a great coat. Wow. Oh, oh, that was too far? That's, that's no, what it was? No, no. <laughs> maybe. No. No, I'm... So for those of you who haven't, like, I've I've seen this multiple times. I mean, I'm, even when we were talking about, like, I probably don't even need to watch this again because I've seen it so many times, and I watched it again just because I love it so much. For, like, Pat and Josh, who haven't seen it and don't have, you know, kids that would, you know, preclude having to put it on, what was your take on it over, you know, since it's been a couple decades? It was not the fastest watch. Like, I didn't hate it, but, like, I don't know. I've seen a lot of Disney movies lately where I was, like, pretty excited to watch something from Disney. And this wasn't so much one of those. Hmm. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to go so far as to say I was bored. That that would be overstating it. Okay. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that at all. I mean, I just, I kind of nothing to this movie, you know. I mean... It was, it was, uh, you know, the animation, I, I enjoyed it and in, in just the whole, the concept of it, you know, like hearing it from the dog's point of view instead of Rogers was interesting. But for the most part, I'm just like, it was just another Disney movie to me. It didn't, it wasn't bad and it wasn't good. It was just kind of right in the middle. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Making it sound like it's the Aristocats. <laughs> Don't you dare talk bad about the Aristocats. <laughs> I, I, I knew you'd say something if I did. Oh, you know, I, I was into the Aristocats when I was a little kid. Yeah. Uh, I mean, come like, on, like, like a, company Amer- was better. American Tale. That's, that's <laughs> Disney, right? No, no. Okay. What is, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of that's like Ralph a compa- like a comparable type of uh, that like um, uh, the type of movie that I, I enjoyed, but I didn't. I don't necessarily think it was a, a, a classic. I'm trying to think of. You know, of a Disney movie like yeah, that? Yeah, similar one. You know, like... Robin Hood? The computer wore tennis shoes. <laughs> what? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. No, not live action. Yeah, animated. cartoon. Oh. Yeah, and oh, an animated one. Yeah. Because uh, everyone I think of, like the Fox and the Hound, you know, is, is a classic. Uh, yeah. Even Robin Hood, I feel like, is a classic. Um, I'm trying to think mediocre Disney. I mean, because this is kind of like their golden age. This is, I mean, this is, this is Rock where they Doodle? That was Disney, that's wasn't it? That's not Disney. <laughs> Rock-a-doodle, that's what you draw on? Rock-a-doodle? No, there's some people out there that love Hercules. Shrek. Oh, yeah, that was classic. But anyway, anyway, Twitch. Anyway, oh my, my, point, my, my point being, I, I mean, I don't think this is one of like the, the crown jewels of Disney. Myself. I think they've gotten oh. much better. Cinderella 2. <laughs> I, I hate that you brought that up, and I hate that that's a thing. That's Cinderella three a stitch in time was actually better than part two and was surprisingly good, but part two is garbage. So there you go, Pat. And I'm not joking. He's those not, he's not movies. making those yeah, I things. Get up. I, I get it. But I'm, yeah. All right. I'm going to have to take your word for that one. I yeah. Think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, already, I've already moved on. Like, he's not researching that shit. Just wait till you do. Yeah, see, for, for me, this is one of, this is one of my favorites. I love, you say the pacing is slow for me. It seems short. Agreed. I mean, it's not a, it's not even an hour and a half long. Uh, the, I think part of the reason I enjoy it is because there are so many different great voices in this, even all the way down to like the, the different puppies 
and the, the lorry driver at the end and you know the the manicness of some of the animation especially like Cruella driving her car oh god it's terrifying at some points yeah when she, you were little man yeah she's pretty straight up threatening it's like her eyes turn red her hair does that flame thing and she wants to kill your puppy i mean how much more do you need for a villain yeah, her eyes start like swirling like circling like she's all twisted and if she'd had shark, if right she'd way. had sharks with laser beams oh. you don't I mean, you don't need to do that no that wasn't animated patrick <laughs> so it's not a fair comparison there well and i admitted that the villain was very good in this like you don't get a better concept it's just like the story itself like you guys thought it moved fast. I kind of had the opposite experience when you pointed out that this was uh, only an hour and 15 minutes. I was like, really? Hmm. And I mean, it's not like it's something you haven't seen before, even, even live action stuff like Milo and Otis and uh, the Homeward Bound. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of stories like this. So if if you want it to be something different, it's really got to stand out. America Um, too, for instance. Again, not Disney. Well, no, but story wise, oh, you know, okay, okay. like stories where yeah. people have to find their way back home. They get <laughs> and lost. Where animals have to stuff. find their way home. You, know what she, you reminded right. me of that with the um, not amazing story. The the one with the, the dog, the two dogs, and the cat. You just said it, Milo and Otis. No, or no, the Homeward Bound. Homeward Bound. There was times when I was working at the video store that I would just be like, I put on like Old Yeller, where oh, the red, where the red fern grows. Jesus the box. And that. it was just like, I had like two days. Cujo. I put on nothing, but your dog is dead movies. And then put Cujo on. No, I didn't put Cujo on. You can't put Cujo on the show. Yeah, but your dog is dead. That's Cujo. I mean, he's and not he, wrong. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> he's out and of he line, can, but he's right. <laughs> and he could do all a stone in a fantastic role. Her. But it was funny because I remember some of the older mm-hmm. customers coming in and be like, like when the red fern grows come on with people that minds with oh what is this oh where the red fern grows and like people in their 50s 60s would come and be like oh hey oh god no i don't want to watch that nothing turn it off yeah so no this is this like i said this is my top five for disney movies really inside yeah i love this movie um actually love the uh the one with Glenn close too what kids watch that one a lot for a live action remake i was extremely surprised at how well they pulled it off as a a sequel to it and Jeff Bridges makes a great Roger. Hmm. I could see that because I watched that too. I could see that. Yeah. I I never saw, I don't think I, well, I shouldn't say I never saw the live action. So I'm not a hundred percent sure that I didn't at some point in my kid's life, but, and, and this one definitely does not fall like in my top top, but I enjoy it. Um, the, the few times I've seen it in my life. Yeah, for me, it's all about the animation. Story is good. It's not amazing. I'll definitely agree with you guys on that one, that it's not like the most in-depth, you know, head scratcher of all time. But at the same time, I enjoy watching watching the animation and the voice acting on this one is just the best. Yeah. So I, I can feel you. All right. I think we got this all kind of wrapped up for us. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there was anything in particular... I don't know. I, I I do think that a lot of the secondary animal characters, like they are a big factor in the middle of the movie, and then they're kind of just forgotten. 
Oh, like the the um the general and the Labrador who helps him and like Yeah, they all just kind of there's no follow up with them at all. Right. It's and I get it. Uh, like you don't have to have a like after the puppies got back, the the general got his college degree or anything like that. <laughs> but it's you weird. Get like a house to wrap up on every single one of them. <laughs> right. It's weird though that like after their couple of scenes to locate them, they just vanish into the ether. That was the other thing I, I just remembered while watching it. Yeah. Well, again, a real simple storyline. They cut the characters show up, they do their part, they leave, they're done. You know, that's, you know, didn't, wasn't there a lot, a lot to keep track of back in 1961 on this, on this one. But, um, did you guys catch the lady in the tramp cameos? I, I saw the tramp, but I didn't see lady lady, uh, the tramp. Okay. So starting backwards, uh, when they're doing the night, the midnight howl or the, the midnight the, bark. Yeah. The midnight bark there. Tramp is standing on top of a van on the right hand side of the screen as and he, while he's up there, Lady starts walking across the bottom um, bottom of the screen and in the pet store window, Peg is in one window and then the bulldog I don't remember his name is in the other Nice catch, I missed all that Yeah, Peg who was it, good, well, based off of Peggy Lee too So, Patrick, they do a follow up they've got like the uh, was it the captain? Was that the the old the old dog? The captain was, was the horse. Sergeant Tibbs. Tibbs was a cat. Tibbs was a which was most the the old dog? Uh, the colonel. The colonel. Yeah. <clears throat> they do a follow up. They've got like the colonel's collar hanging on a on a cross in the front yard. Oh jeez. The cows are just a, three plates of burgers <laughs> that are you know on a and a <laughs> diner. And, and you're like, what, I don't want what, that follow up anymore. One of the dogs is roadkill on the side of the road. He just got hit at some point. Tibbs got stomped on by the captain. He feels bad about it. Jasper's doing porn. Oh, wow. So, no, we don't need that. It's just a weird kind of thing. Yeah, we don't need the follow up. The, the one thing that I, I agree with Josh with the no follow up is there's literally no follow up on Jasper or Cruella. They left him in the gully. You know, you never. She's crying on her destroyed car, and the two of them are like, "Bah, not talking to you anymore." And that's the end of it, which is fine. They got their comeuppance, right? Yeah, they they didn't need to like fall off a cliff like Gaston or get stabbed through the heart like uh, Ursula, right? Yeah, Disney took a turn with the villains then, didn't they? Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why you see uh, one of the criticisms of the modern Disney movies, while I think it's kind of refreshing, is that there are no villains anymore. A lot of the uh, existing Disney movies have more conceptual villains than actual like characters doing bad things. Well, they have more background, more dimension to their villains versus this person's bad because X, Y, Z. They give them, they give them good motivation, at least. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about stuff like Moana or Encanto, where there's literally no villain. Like, there's an antagonist, but mm. they have like good intentions at heart, but are wayward, like off off the path. Anyway, versus versus, she's the villain. How do you know? Her name is Maleficent. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm getting at. Her name means well, bad, so she's the bad guy. And this that actually leads into something I was going to mention in the second half, but it seems appropriate now. Is that 
I, I think it's interesting that Disney has decided to embrace that whole villain thing and has turned it into like it was like, a, hey, we got an untapped market that we should be making money on the fact that people love the villain. And now that's a whole separate thing. They had shirts, figures, uh, yeah. plates, whatever, all the merchandising, even, you know, uh, just whole separate. Now they've got, you know, the movies like what we're going to be talking about in the second half, Cruella or uh, the Maleficent. There was two freaking Maleficent, Maleficent movies. <laughs> there were two. Yep. It's it's a thing. Huh. Like and it's it's interesting. It's uh, kudos, Disney, I guess. Uh. So. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about 2021's Cruella. The I have I have theories, but the backstory of Cruella Deville is coming up. All right, we are back, and we're going to talk about 2021's Cruella, the origin story of Cruella Deville. Yeah, it's a prequel. The Is it reta- though the retelling? I I think hey, it's a prequel. It's yeah. I mean, it is, but I mean, there's at no point was it mentioned that she went to school with that other girl. Yeah, that, that is, is not Roger's true. Wife. Yeah, is it, in in, in the Hundred One Dalmatians that. And when Cruella shows up, Roger says it's your old no, schoolmate. No, 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 Yeah, I'm saying in Cruella they don't mention that. Yeah, they do. She yeah, she was she... her only friend at school. Yeah. There's a whole, like, 15 minutes of her as a child, and that girl is there right there with oh, her. Oh, is that... Does I she was... come back into the movie later? Yeah, she's the yeah. reporter. Oh, I didn't... I did not... Oh Jesus! Wow. You have to I'm change your whole review it. now. No, with that, yeah. Like, I just how did I? He was that? watching 102 Dalmatians. I mean, I, admittedly, I was writing the tweet while I was watching it, but still, I, I kind of missed that. Yeah, I don't. You, okay. you were watching <laughs> Patch's London Adventure instead of this. <laughs> I mean, I did have it, you know, like while I was like it literally was. Anyway, I, I don't know what's worse, missed, the fact that there yeah. is a right. hundred and two. You know, let's let's, let's count us back in and start over. Let's count. <laughs> Do nope. we? No, I think we. I think we keep rolling. Well, we're, yeah, we're I know you're just gonna do that. You're gonna leave this out there hanging there like a fucking meatball, just so I look like an idiot. Yep, hanging out there like a meatball. I don't think I've ever heard anybody use that phrase. Well, well welcome to no. This All right, I'm a tra- it is I'm a trendsetter, motherfucker. It has now entered my vernacular. I'm gonna drop that at my next meeting at work. <laughs> you're gonna leave it yeah. hanging out there like a meatball. You gonna have leave it hanging there like a meatball? What? Yeah, right. That's what I thought. <laughs> Welcome to my there. world. <laughs> All right, you want me to recount in? Nope. nope. Keep going. All right. <laughs> I know All right. You're so, not going to, so. Yeah, I might have if you had asked nice, but no, I leave right. you hanging there like a meatball. <laughs> <laughs> so this is directed by Craig Gillespie, who is known for such other friendly family films such as Lars and the Real Girl. Oh <laughs> my seen god! I Tonya. Tanya. Tanya, yeah. Or The Finest Hours. Wow. It's an yeah. Interesting resume. There's a twist right there. This is also the screenplay is written by Dana Fox and Tony McMara. Dana Fox, Couples Retreat. 
How to Be Single, and Isn't It Romantic. Couples Retreat had a couple moments. uh, Tony, The Great. He's right around The Great. Have you guys watched that one? Oh, yeah. I watched the entire first season, and Sarah's continued on with the second. Okay. That's a great show. I mean, Uh, well, yeah. No, uh, something called The Favorite, which I'm not sure what that's about, but uh, and also The Rage in Placid Lake are the top four things that they got for him. The Favorite is another period piece starring Emma Stone and Nicholas Holt and Rachel Wise. Why don't I know about this? Olivia Coleman. In early 18th century England, the status quo at the courts is upset when a new servant arrives and endears herself to frail Queen Anne. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I saw the uh, trailer for that. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm familiar with the, like, yeah, poster images from it, but not seeing it. And then Rage and Placid Lake, an exuberant, sharply satirical comedy about two apparently neglected teenagers who find the courage to believe in themselves. Not to be confused with Lake Placid with the giant alligator that eats Betty White. Oh, no, that's in this, too. That's the rage. Oh. See how that goes? Also, yeah. story by Aileen Brosh McKenna and Kelly Marcel. Aileen Brosh McKenna. Again, family-friendly stuff, stuff as my crazy ex-girlfriend was also the writer on The Devil Wears Prada, Morning Glory, and 27 Dresses. Devil this, Wears Prada makes sense. I yeah. was going to say, this kind of felt like The Devil Wears Prada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Kelly Marcel... The family-friendly stuff like Venom, Venom Let There Be Carnage, Fifty Shades of Grey, and then Saving Mr. Banks. And Venom, Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades of Venom? Wait. Mm. Mm. Come on, Eddie. What? He did the TV series Terra Nova. Oh, that was one I was kind of half interested in. Yeah, with the time, the time slip one, I think that's the one. Like dinosaurs and shit. Yeah. Also, a uh, story Steve Zizz. Zizz Zizz Zizz. Who did Wasn't together he a in Batman his... villain? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Zizz Zizz Zizz. Steve Martin. Not Steve uh, Martin. Uh, don't worry. Oh, it's Aquatic Life of Steve Zizz. Zizz Zizz Zizz. Togetherness. Jeff Who Lives at Home. And Happy Death Day to You. Good movie. Jeff Who Lives at Home was kind of depressing, though. Yeah. And then for the. Stars of this, Estella Cruella is played by one Emma Stone. The Baroness by Emma Thompson. Jasper is played by Joel Fry. No um, relation. That's that's not how that works. Okay, I'll explain it later. Uh, so f- you may know him from Game of Thrones as Hizdahar Zolorak. I don't know. We'll just do that there for you. Yeah. And then uh, Paul Walter Hauser as Horace. He's everywhere these days, man. Yeah, we were looking him up. He was in Itonia. He was also uh, played Richard Jewell in the Richard Jewell movie. He's Stingray, uh, dude. Cobra Kai. I have not watched Cobra Kai since we did the show. Oh. I haven't got past the first half of the uh, first season. I didn't realize. Yeah, I didn't put that together. Yeah. yeah. Same actor. And John McCree as Artie, the glam dress shop owner. Pretty awesome. In as in 20- work of? 
God's own univer- God's own country. He played University Boy in 2020's Dracula. He played Zev. That was the the Netflix series. Yeah, I was. Yeah, that was one that was on my list, and I never got around to it. I'm sure I'd yeah. like it. Didn't we do a show on it? Nope. We talked about we, it. We watched. Yeah, we. Oh, what did we watch? Anyway. We talked about it. We didn't. We did uh, oh. what we do in the shadows, and I I wasn't around for it. Oh, okay. That was for a September. Got it. Emily Beecham, who is known for playing Deidre in Hail Caesar and Daphne in the Daphne movie. Today I learned there's a Daphne movie. Right? <laughs> yep, that's a thing. So Mark Strong. Who is uh, Daphne? As Daphne from Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. Oh, what? There's a Daphne movie? That's what I said. <laughs> Welcome back. We've gone full circle. And... uh I Mark's... was just thinking it was something kind of like Daria, where it's like a character I hadn't heard of nope. before, you know? No, Daphne. That's a thing. Hmm. Yeah. Mark Strong, who's also Merlin from Kingsman, Dr. Savannah from Shazam, and Captain Smith from 1917. Uh, just being his Mark Strongiest. I love Mark Strong. Yeah, we anything. We about him for the character show. Somebody yeah, we did. Him. Uh, Kayvon Novak. You do not know him. Yeah, He's, you do. Well, we, I said, if you do not know him. Oh, I thought you said you don't know him. Non-listen. Sorry. Twat. Fucker. From what we do in the what we do in the shadows. Nandor. He also does the voice of Fabian Kingsworth in the Archer series. So been all over the place. And it's one of those guys who once you recognize him, you can't help but see him as Nandor. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Kirby Howell Baptiste as Anita Darling. Uh, she has been in Barry, which if you guys have, you guys watched that? Great Time stuff. A little bit. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, good Place, she plays Simone. Oh, movie, okay. Movie called Love. And she also plays Death in the upcoming Sandman. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I really feel dumb because that whole time I'm watching this movie, I did not parallel Roger and Anita as the Roger and I just, I'm just dumb. I, I mean, at first it threw me as well because uh, Anita was kind of slow rolled. Plus you have the race swap. Um, I was like, I, I had a, well, we'll get back to this. Yeah, yeah. I have thoughts. <clears throat> I have thoughts. We'll come back. Then we have Jamie Demetriou, 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 who played. Demetriou. Uh, Demetriou. Yeah. Played Gerald, uh, who was also in Fleabag. Paddington, The Bear, Part 2, and something called the After Party TV series. Oh, we talked about After Party. Pat's a fan. No, that's Party Down. Is it? Yeah. yeah. After Party's on Apple TV, so none of us have seen it. Oh, okay. But it has Ben Schwartz in it, so that's a plus. Whoop, whoop. All Heels, right. Baby. So, so, trivia on this one. <laughs> Flush with cash. Costume designer Jenny Bivan, whom Gillespie hired after seeing her work on Mad Max Fury Road, created 277 costumes for the principal cast, including 47 different costumes for Cruella. Damn. Yeah. Uh, the film seen on TV while Cruella was in the hotel room is Alfred Hitchcock's Lifeboat, which is starring Tallulah Bankhead. Ah. Yeah. Uh, Paul Walter Hauser's Horace drew inspiration from watching Bob Hoskins' speech and mannerisms when he played Smee from Hook in 1991. 
Which we did that show. Yep. And digging down to the, I found bullshit trivia of the week. Okay. Okay. So this is the trivia. If you if you scroll, keep scrolling in the trivia for this, there are several references to the great Muppet caper in this movie. The character of the Baroness is influenced by Lady Holiday. Both her personality and costumes, which. All right, they're both fashion designers. Both films focus on the theft of a necklace and the Baroness's line. Someone stolen my necklace is lifted directly from Lady Holiday. Wow, that is yeah. fucking theft. Um, I'd isn't like to. That, pull... Isn't that a standard line anybody would say when someone steals your necklace? Yeah, I mean, possibly. Somebody stole my jewelry that hangs around my neck piece. Someone has stolen my amulet, my pendant. So someone has stolen my. Any Thank movie you. from 1981 <laughs> on is where there's a necklace being stolen now references yeah. the great Muppet caper. Right? What is that? That's stupid. You're right. That's bullshit. If, if, if you wrote that and you're listening to this show, you suck. Yeah. That's terrible yeah. trivia. Incidentally, to touch on your first thing, uh, trivia point about the costuming. Yeah. Uh, since this is the Oscars show, this uh, movie is up for best makeup and hairstyling. Makes sense. And yeah. best costume design. Makes As sense. As it should. All right. Hear me out. Okay. Why I'm do listening. we feel sorry? This is not the Cruella that goes on to skin puppies. It's not in her nature. You learn that. Therefore, my theory is, is that she inherits all this money and they try to do a, a try to pull a, a heist where they go back in time to steal gold bars for some reason or another. Hitler gold, right? What? It goes nuts. They wind up in 1961 when the original movie took place. Now she's gone insane from the time travel, meets the two people <clears throat> with De Dalmatians and just assigns them those names and tries to take the puppies to make coats out of them. What? What? What weird because Reddit? No. What do you mean weird Reddit? The first movie no. took place in 1961. This one takes place in the early 70s. I'm a, how can it be? A, how can it be an origin story for somebody who was existed 10 years earlier? I mean, they're assuming that Disney's timeless and it's always present day. Like that's, I, I, I don't have any problem with that. I call bullshit. I mean, my one word review of that is no. <laughs> I will say that one of my issues at the beginning of this movie, the first 40 minutes, I was pretty sure I didn't like it. From our very first episode of the podcast, I talk about how I don't like how modern movies need to have an origin story for inconsequential things. And there's a lot of that in this. Uh, it, there's a lot of stuff that is extremely contrived. And when I was about halfway through the movie, I was like, okay, they're they're contradicting a couple of details. Her two henchmen, uh, she treats them like shit, but the movie's establishing that they've known each other since uh, they were kids. And I said the same thing Patrick did. And Anita's supposed to be Cruella's school friend. Now, mm -hmm. By about an hour in, both of those are at least resolved and addressed, if not to my satisfaction. So those were not like errors. No, and I agree with you. I think I think they did a good job of how did how did she meet Anita? How did she meet Jasper and Horace? I think this is a great story that did not need a hundred and one Dalmatians veneer on it. 
I think you could have taken all the 101 Dalmatians references out of this and still had a great movie. Well, I thought it was interesting. And the the whole time, spoiler alert, I enjoyed the movie. But when we were watching it, I kept turning to Laura and I'm like, it's it's interesting to me that they've taken a character that in the original film is so incredibly just like there's nothing redeeming about her. There's no reason to like Cruella. Mm hmm. And you've, they've made her have, uh, you, there's a reason to like her. There's a reason to feel sorry for her. There's some justification for her motives. But then you get to the end of the film where it's like, okay, that Roger and that Anita are the Roger and Anita. There's Pongo. There's Perdita. She obviously likes Dalmatians. She kept the three that killed her mom. She uh, likes dogs. She's had them since she was little. and. She's a little off, little little crazy, but not all to all. So I'm like, is the second movie, which is in production, by the way, are they going to fill in the gap that creates the then 101 Dalmatians remake? Live and that's action? the thing. They're really going to have to do a character turn on her now because she's you're actually by the end of the movie sympathetic to her. Exactly. Mm-hmm. What is number two going to do that the, that turns her into I think the, the Dalmatians are going to turn on her at some point, attack her, and fuck her face up, and give her those ultra high cheekbones, kind of like a Joker accident. Well, <laughs> and when it first, and, and you're talking to me about time travel, that's my hey. I, I mean, dog attacks to the face happen. That's a thing. Time well, travel doesn't happen, as far I, as you know. <laughs> if nobody it, has come back and told me <laughs> not to change shit, I'm done. Time travel. What do we want? Happen. Time travel. When do we want it? It's irrelevant. It matter. <laughs> When when it first started and the dogs, you know, pushed her mom off the cliff, I was like, oh, OK, I get it. And then that all just went the other way. And I was actually kind of upset at the end of the movie because I'm like, this was a really well done movie. It was visually was stunning. And now you've made it to where I, I can't logically figure out in my brain unless there's a preconceived plan how you get from point A to point fucking crazy. Right. I will say this. The, what you're talking about, the, the visually the movie itself was stunning. The soundtrack, I can't even imagine how much they spent on the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Like, they had Disney money. So, Oh, yeah. What's it's interesting like, is the music is super good, but for a while there, they're just jamming it song to song to song with almost nothing in between it. And it almost felt a little forced. I felt a little Forrest Gumpy because it was all montages and great songs for a while. Yep. Mm -hmm. But they had a Stooges song in a Disney movie. Come on. What's not to love? Not something I would ever expect to see happen. Right. Iggy Pop is not exactly a Disney princess. (laughs) (laughs) Although I would pay to see that. But still. I honestly, with with that whole like um, fashion scene out in front of the fountain type of thing. Gerald was hilarious in this. I thought he was, I thought he was a Jasper. liar. Jasper. No, 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 not Jasper. No. Gerald, the, the fashion the, guy, the shop owner. Yeah. Ziggy Stardust. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. He, he was, he was uh, very enjoyable. Um, he reminded me of the guy from the it crowd. I cannot think of his name all of a sudden. Oh, the guy in the back room. The guy. Yes. Yes. He reminded me a little bit of that character. That actor. No, uh, something. No. Yes. 
Why can't I think of his last name? Noel. No, it's no Noel. It is Noel, but I oh. I don't I don't and know what it is. Right now our UK listeners are like, you fucking bastard. You know. <laughs> He's a national treasure. Like Matt Lucas. Anyway. But no, I mean so. there were some contrived things like why does Roger go from being a lawyer to a musician? Mm-hmm. He got fired. So oh, yeah. yeah, but you get fired. Roger I mean f- He's following his dream. He must have made some. Okay, I'll give you that because he probably made some serious bank working for her. But it was like every single character in 101 Dalmatians just happened to meet years and years before. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is like, I I know it sounds like I'm shitting on this movie because like after I reach the hour point, when you get to those spectacular moments uh, where Cruella is herself again and making those fashion appearances the movie started to sell me on itself. And yeah. while I, I, I felt that it was deeply flawed, I was having a real good time as you're going into the third act. Yeah. yeah. There were a lot of, a lot of people that dumped on this movie and I was ready to dump on this movie, but I came out of it. I mean, yeah, again, plot wise, there are some holes that a little bit contrived that everybody from the second from 101 just happens to all live in the same five square block radius. Mm-hmm. All right, fine. But it was enjoyable. I mean, uh, Emma Thompson played her heart out on this one. I mean, and, she glanced up a hundred percent. And you could somehow set up a stage outside of uh, the Baroness's big fashion show, and she won't notice that until it's time for you to make your big reveal. Oh yeah, because you've managed a time when all these moths are going to hatch. That, yeah, that. But I mean, there were a lot of contrived moments. But I, I'll tell you what, though, that that reveal. With the garbage truck and her rolling out with the garbage and standing up and then driving off into the whole thing as her train. That was pretty cool. That, that was, was awesome. Cool. Yeah. There well, were like, a, l- a lot of scenes cool just for the sake of being cool in this Right. One. And normally I don't like that, but it kind of did in this one. And I don't know. Maybe it's just because it was Emma Stone. I think I, I think it was because it was Emma Stone. And Emma Thompson and Emma Stone together at the yeah. black and, the first party where they were riffing off each other. Well, yeah. Emma Thompson was was the analog for Cruella in the original 101 Dalmatians. Like there was nothing to like about that character. Just mean to, to be mean. Yeah. She was just a horrible human being. Like throwing that chair at the one lady. You're in the way. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Just nothing redeeming. But I mean, why couldn't they all know each other? I mean, there's no reason. There's nothing in 101 Dalmatians where the characters, I mean, they established I mean, that the they two. They went to the same park. So they clearly did live close to each other. Well, and Anita and, uh, Corella that was established that they went to school together. Uh, she was already with Jasper and, and Horace at that point. It's not that there's a contradiction. I mean, that's not what a contrivance means. Well, it sounded more like with what kind of what the comments were being made was that it was, you know, that's just convenient that they were all. I mean, living close to each other or whatever. And it's super convenient mm-hmm. that uh, the random thugs were like childhood friends of Cruella and kind of unnecessary. Mm-hmm. There was some unnecessary. I mean, at least they didn't do the here's how they met Nanny. You know, it's <laughs> that's didn't go down the pipe on that mm-hmm. one. But yeah, I mean, you kind of have to have all those characters if you want to, because if you don't, then someone out there is going, well, why was why wasn't Roger there? You know, if Anita was there, why wouldn't Roger there? And she's, you know, they'll they'll get into that, but. But honestly, Pat, don't feel totally bad because it wasn't until um, she fired Roger and threw him out of the car when she goes, Roger always blamed me for getting fired. And then I was like, oh, 
okay, that's oh, that's Roger. There you go. I didn't I didn't realize it was him until that moment. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't either. Honestly, I was just excited to see him. And then when that happened, I was like, oh, yeah. When she said he thinks he's a musician, that was like, okay, I got Roger. Took me a little longer to pick up on Anita. It was when Anita recognized her as uh, Estella that I picked up on it. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're much earlier than I was. Because, you know, in the original film, she's very much, you know, kind of. Uh, like a mousy, like school marm kind of look Demure. to her. Yeah, very kind of. And in this, you know, with the race swap and her career path and everything, you know, she's very kind of outgoing with this being a reporter. It it, it didn't didn't track for me until the very end. So, yeah, both uh, characters are just completely different. So I didn't even catch it until about what twenty minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> when you finish the film, I will like say me. watching Horace and Jasper together. They're, those guys were entertaining. Yeah. Especially and, when they... and uh, Horace with his dog, too. Wink. Yes, with Winky, which is a great yeah. name for a one-eyed dog. <laughs> and when they dress him up as a little rat, that was... Yeah. I'm going to kiss you on the mouth. If, if I read it right in the credits, that dog's name is actually Bluebell, <laughs> which is super cute. It was a cute little dog. Yeah. I mean, it was fun. It was, it was goofy. I mean, it was definitely not as slapstick as <laughs> the live-action one on... Uh, 101 Dalmatians that they did with Glenn Close, where they literally bake her into a cake at the end. Can we not get a live-action Goofy movie, please, by the way? Just anyone who's listening? Because when you said it was Goofy and I made the sound. I don't want to do... I I don't want an anamorphic Goofy. Yeah, I don't want that. No, no. I don't think we really want to know what Goofy is. He's a dog. (laughs) That's me, Patrick. He's a dog that drives a car and talks, huh? Yeah, what's weirder is what than what the fuck is Pluto? But that we've we're getting into Clark's territory. <laughs> a fetishist. That's what Pluto is. Pluto just is very committed. He's like the guy in the gimp costume. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. I feel so dirty now. <laughs> oh, Patrick. All right. Moving on. <laughs> to what? We're, we're, so, but um, I was gonna say the the uh, escape of Jasper from not Jasper for Horace mm-hmm. when they were when he was playing the um when he was spraying everything at the end and he was like I fell into a cake <laughs> you know I mean they're the two of them riffing off each other especially when they start complaining about Cruella near the end those guys they had some chemistry to each other it was fun watching those two going on yeah I agree. Yeah, I like I like everything that was established, the characters, the the world, the I you know I didn't know what to expect going into it. I was curious when I saw the trailer um, back when it was in theaters, but I didn't. know. I was like, man, I don't know if I'll maybe I'll watch it at some point, and I'm I'm kind of happy I did. Huh. I enjoyed it. Uh, I did too, uh, despite myself. Yeah, I, I thought I was going to hate this. Yeah, I I don't want to spoil. I guess we'll do thumbs up, thumbs down. But yeah, I think sure. we're probably there. Yeah, are we there already? It feels like. I mean, we're we're gonna divulge, you know, d- divulge. We're gonna we're we're gonna fall into the the whole trap of you know this scene and that scene was so cool. Yeah. If we don't, yeah. I think we've said just about everything we can. We're gonna Farley. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I suppose you're right. Remember that one part? That was really cool. Uh, huh. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, this we th unfortunately this is one of those situations where we don't have a whole lot to say because we all enjoyed it and there's not yeah. a lot to tear apart. We can't fight about it. We wanted yeah. to, yeah, we wanted to have more to say, but there's just, I mean, we all enjoyed it. It was well done. I mean, you're probably right, and I don't mm. want a Farley. <laughs> don't especially, don't give him that ammunition, especially not with Andy Dick in the bathroom. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're so bad, Josh. You're so bad. That's my Woody Allen doing Andy Dick impression. Wow, dude. Please never say Woody Allen doing Andy Dick again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it. Yeah. Woody yeah. Allen doing Rod Taylor. Yeah. Woody Allen doing Rod Stewart. Andy Andy Dick doing Rod Taylor. That's a movie. Andy Dick doing Rod Serling. There you go. Can we stop saying Andy Dick and Rod in the same sentence, please? <laughs> All right. Th thumbs down for Andy Dick. Yeah. <laughs> I'd he, like that. He's probably into that, yeah. Um, yeah, um, so yeah, thumbs up, thumbs down, I guess. Um, okay, yeah, who's first? I guess I'll go first. I mean, it, it's a thumbs up for both because I'm just, I, I, I'm not going to give 101 Dalmatians the original one a thumbs down. It just, it, it just wasn't really, you know, it, it wasn't. It's not one of the best ones, in my opinion. But and, you liked it. You just didn't. It's not your favorite. That's yeah, all. exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. And and you know, the, I think the the gorilla was actually pretty entertaining and pretty well done. Uh, this is one of those where I same as Pat for the same reasons. Uh well, for me, the original, like I said, um, I actually got a bit emotional. Definitely a thumbs up. And for Cruella, uh. Definitely, definitely a thumbs up for that as well. And it deserves uh, specifically the costuming award that it's up for, without a doubt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 101, definitely thumbs up for me. The art style, to sits in my heart, one of my favorite Disney movies. And the new one, I was really surprised, but I got to give it a thumbs up on this one. It's this, well, I still stand by there is a better story without 101 Dalmatians in this script. That's I probably gotta, true. Then it's just the Devil Wears Prada, though. Steak with a little bit of with a little bit of heist thrown in. I, I got a follow up question to this. Thumbs up, thumbs down. So there is a sequel in production. Would you guys, on your own without the show, seek out the sequel uh, when it's streaming or in the theaters or whenever? Uh, yes, because I kind of want to know how, like Josh said, how do we get from sympathetic to the villain, and she's had a rough go to holy crap she's skinning puppies right yeah i am curious i mean by that time we might even be doing a show and we'll just do the glenn close version versus the sequel oh hmm. oh. oh interesting potential yeah. sequel show yeah. uh yeah i'm kind of the same way I, I would like to see a trailer but they left it on such a note that it it actually kind of upset me because i was like how did you have such a great like build up and solid film. And then all of a sudden you throw this little thing at the end where you bring it back around to the original and there's too many questions. Now it doesn't make sense. So they better yeah. answer those. That's what I'm saying is like, they really must be. They, they were banking on a sequel. Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious to what she's going to do in the sequel to make us hate her. Skin because puppies. The, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good. Oh, 
It's just an hour and a half of Emma skinning puppies. puppies. Yes, very slowly. It's like cannibal Holocaust. This one's never name bring, is Rolly. Never breaking eye contact with the camera, just staring directly into it all alpha style. The whole time Iggy Pop is playing. Or are we going to get a situation where they they rewrite the the story as a whole, and the villain is somebody else trying mm-hmm. to do it? Yeah, I don't know. We'll find we'll out, see. I guess. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. All right. What do we got what coming about up? Iggy Pop, Mike? You were saying about Iggy Pop? Yeah, I said she was be skinning puppies to the music of Iggy Pop. The I want to be your dog. Yeah. <laughs> what do we got coming up? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so the Oscars are on Sunday, and the last three weeks we've been building up to the Oscars show. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, we're going to be talking about Death on the Nile, another Poirot, Poirot, whatever you want to say. Uh, Don't movie? say Poirot. It's Poirot. <laughs> it's not whatever you want to say. It's his name. <laughs> Plan 9 from Outer Space, uh, The Jackass Show, and uh, TV theme songs. Yeah. So I'm going to do my uh, Northern Exposure slash Space Quest theme. Oh, good. Can't wait for that. 101 Damnations. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. All right, so again, if you're looking for our back catalog of shows, you can find them on your favorite podcast apps, such as Podbean or Pandora. Or, and uh, you can give us a thumbs up and uh, subscribe, please. You know, yeah. we, look, we have stuff coming out every week. And if you have any show ideas for us or just want to get a hold of us, you can always give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yeah, and again, in the show notes itself, if you want to leave us a note or anything, click on the link there is one down below that will allow you to leave us a voice memo or leave us a text message and join us on discord yeah we are currently talking about barbecue <laughs> not surprising barbecue and beer has been the conversation of tonight well, that makes sense that tracks yeah that tracks pretty much but uh but, we yeah. are it is always hopping there like if you ever just feel like you need some people to just shoot the shit with and have a good time Join us on Discord. There's always people available. Always people talking. Yep. So that is it. Thank everybody for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week. Box is, is <laughs> my soul is in, yeah. My what? soul is yeah. in one of those little Hellraiser boxes. <laughs> the lament configuration? No, the other one. Oh. You making me Oh, when the pop culture joke is too nerdy, even for us, we're like, nope. <laughs> It's that funky little box. You mean lament configuration? He's a pinhead. He's mashed potatoes. It's not the pinhead. He's the hell priest. The hell priest. He means the pan potatoes. He's got all the piercings. That's why he can only you, eat mashed potatoes. Are you actualing us on a, on a pop culture podcast? That means you're too far into the pop culture, Joel. Actually, his name is... I'm not wrong. And no, you're wrong. not. And that's the best part. It's like you're totally right, and we do it all the time to each other. But for some reason, right now, no, and I don't know why. <laughs> because it's me. 
No, no, no we, it really we isn't. Have, it's not. We've let you do this to us too. <laughs> right just now, tonight, we're just in the mood. <laughs> You're always in a mood, but I am also in a mood, so I'm not stopping you, which is part of the problem. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's...